Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one custom motorcycle podcast. With your host, Courtney Lambert. Brought to you by Raw Edge Custom Motorcycle Paint Shop. Hear real talk discussions with the biggest names in the industry about the latest custom motorcycle news, trends, and events. Now, grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Wide Open Radio. I'm your host, Courtney Lambert, and I am super excited to bring this episode to you today. Uh, first, let me just mention that the 2016 season is finally starting to wrap up, it seems like. Uh, not so much here in Florida and probably not so much over in California, but most areas, we're starting to wrap everything up. Galveston Lone Star Rally was a huge success guys we had so much fun out there and if you weren't able to see our coverage i definitely recommend you go check out our website uh, all of our social media facebook instagram twitter we tried to get out to every event and post real-time photos and videos for you so you wouldn't feel like you're missing out but it was a great event if you did not go this year i always tell you every year i recommend you get out there and check it out it's one of my favorite rallies of the year So um, that is kind of the end of the national rally uh, tour for the year. And we kind of break off into the toy runs and stuff like that, uh, regional events and bike nights that are going on still in the warmer states. So uh, super excited that we had such a successful season this year. I hope it was successful for the rest of you. I know a lot of our friends in the industry, builders, manufacturers, and different companies really showed a huge increase in sales this year, which says a lot for the industry and sends a really positive message to everybody, I hope, because it's still kicking, guys. There's still a ton of people getting into this, and just whenever you think that they've spent all the money they're going to spend on these bikes, they bring them back and want you to tear them down and do them again. So it's, it's not dying. Everybody thinks that it's dying. Those people that think that must not be inside the industry because it ain't going anywhere. I can tell you that. So Guys, we've been talking for a long time with a ton of different builders from all over the country. Those of you who have been listening to the show uh, since we started in 2010, you know that all the builders that we have on, we usually do a hot seat with them. We ask them kind of some personal questions about how they started, uh, who their influences were, and uh, who they look up to now in the industry. So one name that has been mentioned over and over and over again Uh, It's kind of comical. Dave and I used to laugh about it a lot. Whenever we ask people who they look up to, who inspires them, and who they would like to do a build-off against, nine times out of ten, everybody says Matt Hotch. So we've always kind of said, oh, eventually eventually we're going to ask Matt to come on. And uh, finally, guys, we have Matt Hotch on the show today from Matt Hotch Designs. And we are super excited to ask him some questions that you guys have really been wanting to hear some answers about. Uh, A lot of people have asked me before why we haven't had him on yet. I don't know why, but we've got him on now. So, guys, 
It is my pleasure to introduce to you Matt Hotch from Matt Hotch Designs. How are you, Matt? Good. How are you, Courtney? Good, good. Now, I don't know if you know how many times you've been brought up on this show. You probably don't. No, I I, I don't. <laughs> it's been pretty crazy because a lot of big names in the industry, they you would think that if we asked them who they would want to do a build-off against, they wouldn't want to touch you because they respect your work and they know that you're just killing it. But a right. lot of people say that they would really – they would love the pleasure of going up against you in a build-off. So you've been mentioned dozens and dozens of times on the show. So now right you know. On. Yeah, that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty cool. So um, one thing that I want to start out with, and I like to do this with everybody, the whole point of the show is to kind of let the listeners feel like they're getting to know you on more of a personal level. And, okay. you know, a lot of the builders don't, have that chance to really tell people what they're really about. People see their, their motorcycles in the magazine or they see their builds out at shows, but they don't really get to know why you do what you do and where you came from. So if you don't mind, uh, if you could start out and just tell us briefly what it was like for you growing up and, you know, how you developed an interest for motorcycles in the first place. Hmm. Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess as, as as far back as I can remember, um, I came from a family that um, uh, basically could fix anything, you know, whether it be a car or build a house or rebuild a, you know, a washing machine or, you know, my grandfather was, uh, he was uh, quite quite an amazing man. You know, he, originally from Minnesota, he, he drove his uh Model A with his buddy at 12 years old over to California to work in the shipyards, and then uh, they enlisted early <coughs> into uh, to the army, and he drove tanks over in World War II over in Germany and stuff like that. And when he came home, he was you know like one of the those hellions that came back and did the hill climbs and you know racing around town and all that happy stuff. So he was always the wrench that you know, pass it on to my father and, and, you know, at every holiday their garages were always, you know, the pegboard with all the tools laid out and the epoxy floors. and So all the men always went in the garage and just talked shop, you know. So at an early age, you know, that was instilled in me that, you know, you didn't throw things away, you you fixed them, you know. So um, when I was, I don't know, about eight, I guess I started – you know, picking up the junk around town because, you know, I didn't have much money. So whether it be a bicycle, a go-kart, a dirt bike, I always got the broken stuff from the from the richer kids that threw them away, and I fixed them, you know. And that moved into cars. And when I was uh, probably about 12, I think, I got my first car. I got into Volkswagens for several years and used to kind of run a small business out of my parents' garage. And then one day I traded it for a Harley and, I guess I just started working on Harleys, and my friends got Harleys, and their friends brought Harleys to me to fix, and and then I opened my own business at um, I think 18. Wow. Kind of went from there. It's yeah. crazy how things have changed, huh? How so many people just throw things away now and don't even think about fixing them. That's it's a it's a I take a lot of issue with it. You know, I I try to teach my son, you know, that it's not a disposable society. That you know, with you know simple skills that you can actually fix things, you know. 
and uh, it's pretty sad yeah. to see how disposable everything is and how people think, you know, whether it be a, you know, a mechanical thing or even relationships, friendships, stuff like that, you know. They just have a certain mentality yeah, that's a really nowadays good point. that's very different, you know. So Yeah, definitely. But it's uh, it's now, definitely a different time <laughs> nowadays. It is for sure. I think even so much as just over the past 10 or 15 years it's changed. And I don't know if that has to do with the Internet and accessibility to things um, yeah. or if it's a I'm millennial sure the thing. I don't know. That's has a lot to a do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me it's it was more. It definitely changed. For me, it was more learning by mistake, you know, it's just experience. You know, when I was young, you know, I didn't have the right tools. I didn't have, you know, a lot of stuff. So I just learned how to do whatever it was I wanted to do, you know, whether it be painting or building motors and, you know, just whatever it was, I just kind of jumped into it and figured it out. You know, and today it's, you know, everybody tries to go to school. I mean, which is cool. They have interest in it mm-hmm. and stuff, but, but you know, the experience is just not there anymore. It's kind of hard to kinda yeah. trust somebody that has and that experience anymore. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's funny because so many people do go to school now to learn, in theory, to do yeah. things similar to what you do, but they don't teach you in school what to do if, if certain things mess up or if it doesn't go exactly how the textbook tells it to go, you know? So I think trial and error, like, you know, self-taught people like yourself, I think that you're much more rounded, you know, and you can figure your way out of things. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the good part about it. You know, it's, I know I'm not good at just one thing. I can do a lot of things, you know, I'm not the best at a lot of things, but, um, you know, I understand them enough to get in trouble, you know? (laughs) <laughs> but um, but that, that allows me to, you know, take the build from, you know, I'm the only one that actually does most of the work, and I work pretty close with the painters and stuff like that, and you know, so it's 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 a pretty personal project when you when you when I build a motorcycle for somebody, and you know, kind of cool. You get to build, yeah. you know, what what's in your head with somebody else's money, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the questions that uh, one of our listeners sent in on Facebook, they wanted to know how many people work at your shop, and they just asked like a general question of what what goes on at your shop. Like if somebody came to visit, what would they see? What's a daily What's a day like at your shop? Well, about seven years ago, I got rid of my big shop. Maybe eight years ago, about when my kids were, mm-hmm. when my son was about two years old, I kind of, my outlook on life kind of changed. So I had a, when I had my bigger shop, I had about six people working there. But in general, it was mostly just marketing and sales and stuff like that, where my part of the shop, the building part, it's always just been kind of me. I'm the only one that really touched mm-hmm. the motorcycles and the fabrication and stuff. So. <laughs> And then uh, when my son, like I said, when my kids were born, I just kind of semi-retired for a while and, and you know, moved to a smaller shop and downsized so I can, uh, you know, kind of spend every day with my kids and family. But um, awesome. right now it's just my dad. My dad is, uh, he's retired, and my dad's always, he's been with me for, I think, 15 years now. So he wow. just kind of, it's an excuse for him to get out of the house, you know. 
<laughs> so he he just uh, you know no. answers the phone, does the paperwork and stuff, and I'm still still in the shop, you know, putzing around, you know, probably a couple cool. days a week. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, you know, you know, I still build a couple bikes that... a year. Um, I'm not super mm-hmm. busy like I was. I don't travel that much anymore. You know, my main focus is just kind of you know, raising my family and trying to instill those values that were instilled in me when I was young. You know, like I get kind of scared for my kids because it's a it's a different world now, and it scares me to yeah. a lot of their friends and stuff like that. Just they look at it very different than I did when I grew up. And you know, the pleases and the thank yous and just the the you know the core values that kids need to have. You know, but if their parents are working or when I was traveling a lot. And I was gone like 33 weekends out of the year um, wow. at its kind of peak, you know. So I thought it would be more important for me to raise my family than to make money and be famous. So <laughs> so that's kind of what I, where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, um, what what do you and and Shana do to prepare your kids to have a good work ethic because since we're talking about kids and since we're talking about mm-hmm. how things have changed, I think that work ethic is a, a dying trait. Unfortunately, it's hard to find good workers. It's hard to find people that really want to do manual labor and work hard on something. So how are you guys making sure that your kids keep that, that trait and that value? Well, it's, it's, it's a challenge, you know, as they get older, you know, my son's now, um, 10 and my my daughter's eight and you know from the early age you know you kind of have to lead by example and kind of show you know and try to just remember that you know you're trying to teach them some something sometimes but it's it's still kind of hard because when they're younger and they don't have that many friends or they don't really understand it they just they kind of do it but when they see their friends and stuff like that that don't have those same ideals that uh it gets a little harder but I think the best the best thing to do is just kind of lead by example, you know. When I come to the shop, I just yeah. kind of show him what I do and let him get his hands dirty, you know. I've I've already got a car for him and stuff, so we'll start building that stuff, <laughs> you know. You know, just the the stuff that was done for me when I was younger and you know, I just hope that, you know, it sinks in one day. You know, obviously when I was a kid, most of the stuff didn't sink in until I was a little older, you know what I mean? I always thought my parents were crazy, mm-hmm. but you know, when you get old, kind of, you kind of, uh, it kind of just sinks in, you know. Yeah. But you know, no. the biggest thing in, in today's society, especially in you know where where I live in California, is you know most parents, both of them, have to work in, in order to afford just to live in California, and it it really it really shows in in the kids. You know, they're they're rude. They're they want everything now and no pleases and thank yous and it's really hard Mm -hmm. and tough for me to see that so when they come over you know I'm always you know making sure they say their pleases and thank yous and stuff like that you know it's kind of fun but good yeah no I I think this just leading by example is the best way yeah yeah I definitely agree it's good to hear um so whenever you were a kid what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Uh, you know what? I always always thought I was going to work with my hands somehow. You know, my dad and my grandfather worked for 
the uh, the same company. So, you know, when you're young, you always kind of look up to that. So there was a company called Thermo King that um, made reefers for semis. So my uh, mm-hmm. my grandfather, you know, after he had sold his business, he he had a, a mechanic shop after the war, and, you know, and he met my grandmother, and they kind of settled down. So he started working for Thermo King, and then my father did, and I figured I was going to do that too. But, um, you know, it just kind of kind of fell into just working with my hands, and I saw that I can make a living on it, you know, with uh, the Harleys, you know. And uh, it just kind of happened, you know. Yeah. You know, they wanted me to go to college and all that stuff, you know, too, but, you know... I, my my siblings went did the college route and I was just I was that kid you know there's there's uh, and even my son's kind of the same way you know not every kid is book smart they don't learn the way that most people do or they kind of submit to that I guess you know where mm-hmm. you kind of have to identify that and understand that they are smart but they're they learn in a different way you know and that's kind of like mm-hmm. where I was you know I just didn't apply myself in school. So, I mean, I got kicked out. Yeah. But um luckily, you know, things worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely worked out for you. Now, yeah. when you started, Matt, like whenever you first really got into the motorcycle industry and opened your first shop, um what time what area in time are we looking at? Like Um I opened 2000s? up my first shop it, it was I think 96. Is when 96. I per- started okay. professionally, but you know I was doing it in my parents' garage, building bikes, mm-hmm. and you know, for a long time before that. Okay. You know. At so. that point in time, who who did you look up to in the industry? What builders really stuck out to you that you aspired to be like, or you know, really admired their work? Um, it was you know Ron Sims, Dave Perowitz, and Arlen, you know Donnie Smith, and. Mm-hmm. You know the all the the older guys. You know when I w- it, during that time it was there was only a few young guys. It was me, Jesse, and and Billy. We were kind of the around the same age. You know, so it was kind of mm-hmm. a in an in, in industry where you know it was run by you know older guys, and they'd see these you know young punks doing some weird stuff. And <laughs> but you know at the at the time you know I was I was always shy. I still kind of am, but. I just let the bikes, you know, kind of speak for themselves, and and uh, people liked them, so it was pretty cool. And yeah. now those those people that I looked up to are good friends, and we talk, and it's that's actually I got the respect from them, and it was kind of like a a really cool thing when they started coming up and saying, "Hey, your bikes are cool," and stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, most of the people that you mentioned have been guests on the show before. And I specifically remember them mentioning your name. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It, now, it's definitely, definitely cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel like there is something in particular that really put you on the map as a builder? Is there a certain build that you did or, or a point in your career that that really made your name recognizable to the public? Yeah, I think, you know, for me – I kind of looked at, you know, at the time when I kind of started building motorcycles, people would build the motorcycle and then they would hang all the plumbing and wires and, 
throttle cables and brake lines and stuff like that on afterward. It was just, you know, the bikes always look like an afterthought, or the those parts mm-hmm. look like an afterthought. And <clears throat> where I kind of, you know, set my own little stamp in the industry was just kind of building the bikes around those particular items. So, you know, I would make sure, even if it was like a little inch of wire, I would find a way to hide it or conceal it or, you know, so... When people started seeing that, you know, that's kind of where they started, you know, taking taking a second look at who I was and the bikes that I built. So those those aspects and just different designs and, you know, I was never really a, a follower. I kind of like, you know, set my own stuff. I didn't really do what the industry was doing, you know. But um, I just kind of did it for myself. And I wasn't trying to make anybody else happy except for myself, and and I'm just lucky that that other people liked it, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's luck. I think you earned it. That's that's something yeah. that what you just mentioned, just the cleanliness of your builds and how everything's tucked away and neat and clean. That's that's something that a lot of people try to do, and no matter how hard they try, they're not able to pull it off like you are. So. You're in that. That's that's definitely something that I think put you on a different level. Uh, is that yeah. something that you would consider to be one of your specialties, or is there something else that you feel like you specialize in that stands out also? Um, I think it's you know, I just build like I said, whatever I want. I can. I'm not scared, and I'm not limited to what I buy in a catalog. You know, a long mm-hmm. time ago, you know, I got, you know when I was younger, a lot younger, you know, I'd parts in the catalog or go down to the local shop or the swap meets and try to find stuff that would bolt together. Cause I didn't know how to weld, you know, so, um, mm-hmm. you're very limited at that time. So you're kind of stuck with being able to grind something to fit. And then as I got older, I, you know, I learned to weld and, and, and then that changed everything. You know, you could, uh, you can cut something and put it back together. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that just that just opened the door, I think, to to do whatever was in my head. You know, um, and then you know, obviously those things um, got better and better, and metal work and building gas tanks and fenders and stuff like that, and learning from you know people that were were th- that I looked up to. You know, and all mm-hmm. those skills kind of. Though I'm not like the best at it in every aspect of it I can do it all very well uh well enough to to build something complete from start to finish you know and that's what yeah. I think what separates me from a lot of people is I just and plus they're engineered well you know there's a lot of thought that goes into them and how they'll break and how you know you can ride them and you know for me that was a big thing too is and, and a lot of my customers are pretty loyal to me because you know the bikes, even though they're you know three hundred thousand dollar motorcycle, they can still get on it and and ride the shit out of them. You know I have customers that have you know a hundred thousand miles on some of the bikes. You know, so that's awesome. You know, it's, a lot of and that's something that I definitely want to talk with you about in a little bit because that's a huge topic right now in the industry and it, it always has been. But how, you know, people think these bikes aren't rideable and you can't do this, you can't do that. And that's, to me, that's all in how you want to treat your bike, you know, and how it's built and what it's built for. So um, I love it whenever people like yourself or, you know, any builder that's recognizable comes on and talks about 
how much their bikes are ridden and how hard they're ridden, you know, because it just proves those people wrong. Right. You know, there's always the there's always the exception to the rule. You know, there's people that put together bikes, you know, and they try to be, um, you know, try to outdo, you know, the next trend or, you know, just to be out of the box. But sometimes they just don't have, I don't know, whether it be the, the knowledge that, you know, what you're doing, there's always a, you know, you're, if you change something, it's going to do something else to the, to the reliability of the motorcycle. So you kind of have to, you know, like with the bagger stuff that kind of came out and it's a lot of scary shit out there on the, on the road. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I look at some of that stuff and I just, it took me a while to actually build one. I had a couple of customers that wanted one and it took me a while, but you know, it, they're expensive to build too, you know, and a lot of customers out there or the general public think, okay, you just buy all this stuff off the internet, you you know, you cut the neck, you weld this thing on there, and there you go, you got a motorcycle. <laughs> but in reality, they just turned a, you know, a reliable motorcycle into a, a piece of junk, you know. Yeah. And, and you yeah, know, it's... and that stuff costs money. If you want, if you want something as rideable as a factory motorcycle after it's been molested, you know, you have to find a shop that, um, that can do that properly, and it, it's usually a money issue. You know, it's time, hundreds mm-hmm. of hours. You know, um, rather than just you know, cookie cutter bullshit and stuffing the stuff back together. Yeah. But um, you know, a lot of you know, for me, you know, I try to tell a lot of younger builders that ask me. You know, I just say, you know, you have to realize that you're taking somebody's life in your hands. You know, whatever you do. If it breaks, they're going to die. You know, it's not like in a Mm -hmm. car where they can veer off the road and, you know, be okay. A motorcycle, you know, it's nine times out of ten, it's going to be a wreck. And, um, you know, that's important to me. You know, it's my customers become friends, and I I don't want to hurt anybody. And, you know, and that's why I spend so much time into each motorcycle that I build, um, making sure that they are you know, engineered correctly and, you know, stuff like that. And I think yeah. that's what separates you know, me I... a lot too is is even though I got a name, I'm still the person building it. It's not, I don't have a $10 an hour guy doing the work for me under my name. You know, each bike is is 100% me. I know it in and out, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, that says a lot because that's, that hardly ever happens anymore, you know? So yeah, to yeah. to know that you're the person back there and you're doing everything. And like you said, if somebody calls up and says, man, I'm having this problem and they can describe it to right. you, you probably know right off the bat exactly what they're talking about and what's wrong, you know? Um, right. So that's, that's a huge asset that you have that you take the time and, and you're knowledgeable and all that stuff and you're the one doing the building. A lot of people that own these companies, to me, you know, we're talking about, things being scary on these custom bikes that they're not done properly. Um, I think that the internet has enabled a lot of people to give off this perception that they are way more talented than they are, you know, and and people see, (laughs) people see all this stuff online about them and think, Oh, I see their name so much. They must be really good, you know? And then 
you hear a lot of stories, I'm sure you hear them too, where people spend a lot of money to have one of these guys oh, yeah. build their bikes, and then they end up taking it to somebody else after because it's it's a piece of crap and, and it's dangerous, you yeah. know? So I, I like it hearing you say all, that because it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but it, hearing it, you say it, that it just reinforces the, the facts. Yeah, I mean it, it's you know I'm able to I'm I'm confident in my my builds and you know I offer on the bikes that I build there it's a lifetime warranty if something happens no matter who owns the motorcycle I'll fix it you know that's, that's awesome. how much confidence I have in 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 doing what I'm doing you know it wasn't always that way mm-hmm. I mean I learned from screwing shit up you know and and fortunately. You know, the people I screwed it up on, I fixed it and made it right, but I learned, you know, I was able to process that information and not take it as a personal, like, oh, you know, I I was like, okay, I fucked up and this is, I ain't yeah. going to do that again, you know. Yeah. So it took a lot of years and that's where the experience comes in, you know, and you can't just watch YouTube and, and build a motorcycle, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's, that's if you're listening out there, I know a lot of people think you can just do that. It's amazing to yeah. see how many people think they can build their own bikes just by getting on forums and watching videos. Right. It's insane. But um, yeah. to be able to say that you're completely 100% confident in your builds is, I, I mean, that's how it should be. You know, I we yeah. were just talking last night about uh, seeing online people will complain when, when magazines show certain angles of their bike or when when people uh show a bike from from a different side or show something and i'm like why why are you putting bikes out there that you are ashamed of certain angles right. you should be able to get down and right. look at the bike from any angle and and you should be right. proud of it you know and be confident so yeah. um i think that like you said a lot of people are not tying together the loose ends and, and there a lot of things on their bikes are afterthoughts and they're not following all the way through from start to finish, you know? It's a shame. Yeah, it's it's all it's always always in the details, you know. I always ask I always tell people, you know, if you want to find out how how good a builder is, lift up the seat. You know, that's where you usually everybody <laughs> stashes all their crap and stuffs it in and zip ties and wire mm-hmm. nuts and stuff like that. Um, if you get lifted up yep. and it's pretty clean, then they they spend a lot of time, you know, and effort to make it that look that way. So rather than a lot of people, especially with the baggers, there's so much real estate to hide stuff that, you know, you start pulling body panels off and stuff gets a little scary. You know? <laughs> but you know, I have I know, have like personally said, seen two by fours fiberglass on the oh, inside yeah, I mean, of different bagger parts. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> what's going on nowadays yeah. but it you know it helps it's innovation at least you know the industry there's people trying to 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 better the industry um to me that's cool but when you know when I was younger the magazines had always regulated you know the garage builder from a professional builder because um it it um allowed a buffer between the public and it educated the public on who was good mm-hmm. and who was, you know, who was not good. Um, and nowadays, you know, the magazines really don't do that stuff anymore. And if it's just a bike, they just put it in there, you know what I mean? And call him a quote yeah. unquote master builder. That term gets thrown around a lot of nowadays, you know, and it's unfortunate, you know, and, and 
the social media, they can kind of self-promote themselves, and people believe the hype until, unfortunately, they learn an expensive lesson. <laughs> yep. Yep, so. it happens a lot. Yeah. Well, one thing that I definitely want to talk about, and uh-huh. can't be a surprise to you, um, can you tell us about your experience with Biker Build-Off? I know a lot of people back in the day when the show started, what, almost 14 years ago? Started in 2003, I believe, um, or two, 2002. 2002, um, yeah. yeah. So when that show started, um, I mean, that was that – was, regardless of anybody's opinion on the show or or how it was executed, that was a game changer in the industry because that brought in a whole new group of people who never even considered custom motorcycles a part of their life, you know? And, And it really made them fans of the builders and of the bikes themselves. Even though they may never plan to get on a bike, they still were educated on, you know, who the big builders were and things like that. So, um, I'd just like to hear a little bit of, you know, your thoughts and, and your experiences with the show, and then I have some specific questions, too. Sure. Um, you know what? I was I was a little apprehensive, I guess, um, in the beginning um, to do it. But but in the end, you know, I kind of gave in, and I'm glad I did. It was, it was a cool experience. It helped my business tremendously. You know, people knew before – you know, I would build a motorcycle, and I was wasn't the guy at the show. I would just let my customers. They enjoyed that experience, you know, showing off their motorcycle. So everybody kind of knew the name, but they didn't know who I was. So it was kind of cool to to kind of let people know who I was on the show and and what I did and how I did it. So, but the shows did very well. I mean, they. They focused a lot on the fabrication and the ideas and stuff like that. I mean, they tried to find drama. I mean, but with me, there wasn't much, you know. But they, uh, but they did focus on, you know, the love of the motorcycle and the love of building them, and it was it did really tremendous things for the industry. You know, it was uh, yeah definitely a cool experience. I mean, the producers no. were were great to work with, also. Good to yeah. hear. Now, your first build was against Joe Martin? Yes. Yeah. My buddy Joe. How <laughs> how was your experience with that? Cuz that was I remember that like it was yesterday. I'm sure a lot of people do. Yeah. Um that one that one was cool. I mean, it's, you know, I had a lot of uh, a lot of love for Joe. Me and Joe were friends long before the show. And uh it was it was just a cool experience, you know. When it came down to it, you know, I tried to. I had the idea of Chingon, which is the motorcycle that I built. I had that in my head for quite a few years, but I just never, never either a had the customer to pay for it, or b you know had the desire to build it. And uh, that show just brought some inspiration. I mean, like I never had before, you know. Um, so it was a cool cool experience to go through that to build that motorcycle it was and especially in that time frame because it really is those time frames you know you have a little bit of planning but you know a lot of the guys on the show did a lot of box opening you know the ups guy was Mm -hmm. but i uh i built a lot of the stuff so it was kind of 
a little really hard and on me, but it showed I think in the end, you know. Yeah. Do you think that more of the motivation that you got out of doing those shows, do you think more of it was because you knew you had millions of people watching or because it was actually a competition between you and somebody else? I think it was the competition part and, you know, a little that people were watching, I guess. I mean, I, I guess I wasn't really <laughs> too worried about that part, but at the the point I just didn't want to look like an idiot, I guess. So I worked harder to make sure that I didn't yeah. look like an idiot on TV, you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it just kind of came. It, it it just kind of happened. It was it was a uh, whirlwind experience. I mean, it's very stressful. You know, you're running around, paying ridiculous money to get stuff done, and it was uh, it was an experience, you know, for sure. I definitely, it's it's. Yeah. I know there's so much more that goes on behind the scenes, and what yeah. we see is just a, a portion of it. Um, yeah. Your second build was against a really good buddy of mine, Rick Fairless. So, yes. um, again, I remember that one like it was yesterday. Uh, what was your uh, experience with Rick? Were you friends with him before? Uh, no, I, I had met Rick, I believe, once or twice before. and uh, But honestly, I mean, Rick and his whole crew, they were they were amazing people, and we became friends. And it was, a, it was just like with Joe, it was a great experience. It was just like going on the rides that I usually do, you know, just kind of going to see the country with your buddies, you know. It was a great experience. Um, And, you know, when you kind of go into the build-offs, you know, not caring win or lose, you know, with people like that, you know, you're just happy to be with them. You have mutual respect, and it's not a shit show, you know. And, uh, you know, that was was really good. I mean, I loved riding around with Rick. You know, I kind of planned that route on that show. I kind of told the producer this is you know a route that I go when I when my wife and I go on a ride so you know through That's Monument cool. Valley and stuff like that so it was pretty cool very cool I I would love to see firsthand the interaction between you and Rick because you seem like such a laid-back guy and yeah. Rick's so chill you know so yeah, I feel like yeah. you guys would kind of flow together yeah it, it was it was fun you know like I said I even to this day you know I was you know, Rick called me a couple times. I, I did his show too, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I don't really reach out a lot to those to those guys much anymore. But you know, when I do, it's just like it was yesterday. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that's yeah. the cool part of it. You know, that's true friendship. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, the bike yeah. that you built on the episode against Rick. Um, I, I have to bring this up because, you know, you see so many people building lay frame baggers now and that was a lay frame bike and it was what, 12, thir- 12 years ago. Well, the first one was the lay frame bike. That's, that's the one that kind of, it was like the first one. And, okay. uh, so the Chingon was the first and then, um, V-Lux, which was the V-Rod was the second. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so those. Those were, you know, the the ones that kind of started the trend for sure. But, you know, I didn't do that many of them just because a lot of people wanted the parts and stuff. And, you know, I didn't feel comfortable at the same time because, you know, it's not just a, a front end or, or a shock that does it. The whole bike is built around those things to all work together safely. And uh, so I never really sold it to the public for that reason. But, you know, over the years, people 
tried some ridiculous things and even today the stuff that they're selling is ridiculous <laughs> yeah I, mean, I wouldn't put any of that stuff on my bike you know i mean yeah. <laughs> a lot of things that they do and there it goes back into that same thing where you you know you're taking somebody's life in your hands you know and you're buying a a $50 shock that's not meant to do what it's doing and reselling it as a proper product to raise and lower your motorcycle and it's not um it's there's so many things out there I see that I just shake my head at but you know you can't really <laughs> be the 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 part part police you know what I mean so right right yeah. well there's a lot of people listening so hopefully they take that <laughs> yeah take yeah. it to heart and pay attention just do your research you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, and then the third, the third, third build. build off that I, yeah, that was with Roger Goldhammer. Um, Roger mm-hmm. was another another person I had a huge amount of respect for. You know, we were great friends, and in my personal opinion, I thought he was the best motorcycle builder around. Yeah. And so I I told Roger, I said, dude, I want you to do this third show with me, you know, and he said no. And I'm like, come on, dude, we got to do something. Let me, you know, figure out something that you want to do, and we'll do the show around what you want to do. And and at that time, Roger was getting into the Bonneville racing and stuff. So um, he approached me and told me to that's what he'd like to do is build race bikes. So I said, okay. You know, and cool. going into that show, I knew, and I didn't really care that I knew Roger was going to build a race bike and he would, he would win set records all that stuff but it was more important to me to show the world who Roger was rather than these there were some people on the show that you know just didn't have the 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 visions of Roger you know mm-hmm. Roger like I said was was in my opinion the best there was so I just wanted to make sure yeah. that the that the public knew who he was, so it was a it was a cool experience too. I mean, all three of them were really bitching. Yeah. Yeah, that that says a lot about you, Matt, because there are so many old school guys out there who are undernoticed and underappreciated, and they're the most talented yeah. ones out there, you know. And right. um, Roger's been brought up a lot on the show. He's he's never yeah. a guest, but. Um, yeah. he definitely has mentioned a lot and, you know, somebody that I was really excited to have as a guest and I didn't have him on until, uh, it was just a year ago was Donnie Smith. And, yeah. you know, he's just one of those guys that you, you don't hear a lot about him if you're not in that circle, you know? Right. 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 So it was really cool no, to be able to give him some airtime and let people really hear who he is. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of builders that took the risks. They, they influenced an industry and um, they kept it alive, you know, and you have to mm-hmm. have respect for those people, you know, and there's, it's very rare nowadays to see people innovate to that point, like the innovation that was going on even back then. I mean, in the 60s, 70s, even into the, you know, 2000s, it's just repetition is a lot that you see now or, yeah. or, or just a, you know, a, you know, a sparkly version of something that was done before. There was nothing really, you know, out of the box, so to speak. You know. So yeah. for those people, you know, it's always to show respect, and you know, a lot, 
you know, when I was growing up, there was always the builder that thought they invented the world, and you know, it's it's sad to see when they're trying to toot their horn that, hey man, you know, we've seen it all before. You know, there's a reason why we didn't <laughs> yeah. do that shit a, a long time ago. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're reaching yep. for the sky nowadays, and it's it's pretty crazy. But you know, I still find you know a lot of, you know, sometimes you see you know a builder that has. Um, the passion and and the ideas to build, you know, his ideas, and he does it very well. I mean, there's some very talented people out there right now. You know? Yeah. Well, that's you're leading right into one of my questions. I was going to say for later in the episode, but it's mm-hmm. perfect timing. So, who is who's somebody to watch out for? Who's somebody in the industry that you know wasn't around 20 years ago that that catches your eye or that you think you know is a, a player now honestly there's a there's a few of them and i honestly i'm, I'm brain farting right now but i don't remember their names <laughs> <laughs> i'm not really that connected okay. in the industry that much yeah. anymore but i do every so often do a couple shows and i'll, I'll see or pick up a magazine and I'll, I'll and i'll see some stuff that's pretty pretty damn clean um yeah but I, i'm brain farting right now I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, what before we kind of wrap up on the whole biker build-off thing, what's something that you can tell us about that we didn't see on air, something that happened behind the scenes that people would find interesting? Oh, let me see. Well, on both of them, my wife got sick, but there was one that oh. she uh, – I was – it was like – I was like five days barely any sleep and I get a phone call and she says that I have to come home. It was like three in the morning and she was uh, trying to swat at a fly with a magazine and, and it was sitting on a window and she put her hand through the, the plate glass window and, and she <gasps> severed an artery on her finger, on her thumb and oh, had a tendon and stuff. So she was sitting there. So I run home and she's like in shock with a pool of blood on the floor and I was, you know, freaking out, you know what I mean? So yeah. I had to take her to the hospital, and they had to sew her up. You know, it was squirting everywhere, all that stuff. It was pretty gnarly. Wow. <laughs> that's but, crazy. Um, that, you know, That's one of them, you know. Uh-huh. She, I mean, just in talking back and forth with Shana about uh, coordinating to get you on the show, she seemed mm-hmm. super supportive of what you do. And so I can only imagine, I know between – Corey and I here at the shop, I know mm-hmm. that if I were to call him home, he would yeah. have to know that something really bad has happened, you know, because, I mean, yeah, whenever you're with somebody sure. who works such long hours and has things going on, you, you're pretty independent, you know, so for yeah, you to call yeah. him home, and probably the same for her, you had to have known that she really needed you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for sure. I mean, I've we've been together, let me see, 20 Five years, twenty six years, twenty wow. twenty five years. Good for you. And been and been married sixteen, so we kind of know each other pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, yeah. though. That's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, she's an amazing woman. She's always been very supportive of what I do, and I've tried to, you know, support as much as I could. You know, when I was building the business, you know, you just kind of forget about their about their dreams, you know what I mean? But, you know, eventually, yeah. you know, and that's another reason why I kind of just 
you know, she kind of fell into place with, you know, being a mom. She's an amazing mom, and, and you know, so she's very, we're very fortunate that she's able to stay home with the kids all the time. So it's pretty yeah. cool to see her kind of That's shine awesome. in that, that aspect, you know. But it's so yeah, you're only as good as yeah. the the person you know that's at home taking care of the family when you are working. You know what I mean? So yep. um, that'll say it enough. You know that it's it's my wife that basically pushes me to excel in in motorcycle building for sure. Listen to them, guys. Not enough guys <laughs> actually will admit that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now. Um, Let's see. I have a few more questions for you. I don't want to keep you too, too long. No, okay. um, but I know everybody's super excited to hear from you. So I have a few questions that came from the listeners online. Um, okay. Somebody asked, what is your favorite bike that you've ever built? That's a hard question, I'm sure. That one's actually, it's pretty hard. You know, they're all my favorite at the time. But the one that had the most meaning was the Vincent, the bike that I built um, with Roger on the biker build off. That's my favorite, by the way. Yeah, that that's mine too. <laughs> well, that that bike, Very you know, cool. my grandfather, like I said, was in the war and he he was kind of a hellion and he drove tanks and uh so he used to tell me stories of, you know, this Vincent that they had stole. So they'd strap it on the tank and they'd get drunk and rip around on this Vincent that hauled ass, you know, and the MPs could only go like 25, 50, you know, maybe 45 miles an hour. And he always told me about these Vincent motorcycles that, that, um, you know, that he had. And and when he came home from the war, he hill climbed one, you know, he had some crazy motorcycles back then. But, um, so I've always was heard the name and I was interested in them and, you know, but I never had the opportunity to build one and, you know, they were always kind of unobtaining, you know, they were collector's motorcycles and, and you just never really molested them, you know, they were meant to be restored yeah. to factory and all that stuff. And so when I wanted to build one, it was, it was, it was a very hard road to go down. I mean, that motorcycle cost like 300 grand. It was ridiculous money, but wow. I I I did a lot of expense. I went through a lot of expense just to build the engine from nothing, you know. It was I didn't want to take an original one and molest it, so I had it uh the cases made and I I had it made electric start and so the engine's all 100% new and you know, I built everything around it with you know, heavy influence of the original Vincent stuff and there's a there's a company when when the Vincent went out of business that the VOC that that they uh, produce some factory parts and stuff. So I worked with them and got in you know an aftermarket front end and some original parts here and there you know. But so that one there was a lot of thought that went into that one, not just not to and expense not to molest an original one you know. So a lot of people that right. know Vincent's. You know, like the older guys in that club, the VOC, the Vincent Owners Club, and stuff like that, saw the motorcycle and and uh, they were pretty stoked on it. You know what I mean? It had the the, the particular things that Vincent was famous for. Um, yeah. You know, so so to hear them, that's who Very I built cool. it for. To hear the, those guys give you know respect, um, that's what made it for me. You know. 
I, yeah. I could care less. Most people go up to it and they think it's a sportster. They don't know what the hell they're looking at. So <laughs> it's, it's that is people, a shame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was a it was yeah, a great bike. Plenty of people out there like that though. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know, it's cool. You get to you know sit down and educate them on what a Vincent is and uh, you know how um uh, the amazing story of them too. You know, so I mean, there's a lot of motorcycles yeah. like that the out difference. there. And, yeah. I was gonna say that's yeah. the difference between someone like yourself and some of the other guys out there because a lot of people would just take offense and be rude to somebody, you know. But if if right. you take the time to educate people, that says a lot, and that really makes a fan out of those people and makes them appreciate you and see you as yeah. a person, not as yeah. a, a face, you know? Right, right. It's yeah. really cool. Now, yeah. do you have another question that we got from uh, Bill in Idaho? He wants to know if there are any builds from other builders that stand out to you that come to mind whenever you think of just a good, nice, clean, quality build. Um, a lot of – basically every bike Roger built – Roger Goldhammer. I mean, mm-hmm. I always loved a lot of the, a lot of his stuff. <laughs> um, Arlen stuff, you know, when he was building, um, when he was actually mm-hmm. building, not not his other guys, but you know, when Arlen was building bikes, and you know, mm-hmm. those those things are. It's always nice and refreshing to see something that is just like I said, out of the box, but it works. It's well engineered. It's a it's a workable product. You know, it's. And it's really cool to see that stuff. So, I mean, you see it a little bit nowadays, but not as much as as I did back when everybody was just kind of going nuts with stuff. But, you know, just off yeah. the top of my head, it would be all of Rogers and Arlen's. And even when I was younger, you know, I used to look at Sims' stuff, and that was pretty cool stuff to me back then. And, you know, yeah. Ron doesn't like many people, but we're still friends. <laughs> 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 that's cool that's cool yeah. um what let's see from jennifer in florida she wants to know what is a career goal that you still haven't reached what's something you're still shooting for wow that one's kind of hard you know i uh, <laughs> i kind of feel like I, I i did what i wanted to do you know it's it's kind of hard when when you're when you grow up as, you know, try to be a man, you know, you, you always have this expectation of, you know, money and success and you measure money and success with material things. And, you know, I lived that life for a long time and kind of got sucked into the vortex with, you know, customers that were very wealthy and you try to live that lifestyle. But I came to the realization, you know, eventually that, that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have or how much, you know, success you have, you know, you're still, most of those people and customers that were billionaires, millionaires, that they were miserable. They couldn't mm-hmm. spend enough money to make them happy. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I kind of just came to the realization that you have to be happy with yourself and where you're at in life. And, you know, and for me, when my kids were born, that's what made me happy. And that was the most successful thing that I've done is just creating my, my kids. And, and, you know, you're kind of responsible now to make sure that they're okay. You know what I mean? So I think I, I, I did what I wanted to do. You know, I, I was, I was a top motorcycle builder. I built all the shit that I wanted to build. Obviously there's more stuff I want to do, but, um, 
you know, I I got to live that life for a minute, you know, travel and get in bars free, all that stuff, you know, live like a rock star. <laughs> yeah. It was it was cool, but in the end, I wasn't really happy, you know. Yeah. So I think for me, just uh, it it all comes down to what makes you happy, you know what I mean? Rather than goals, I guess. Yeah, and you're already doing it. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. Something that's very unique to you and your brand, in my opinion, is the exclusivity that you carry. So I want to hit on that for a minute and just um, I'd like to kind of hear you explain to people why you run your business that way and, you know, the pros that it's offered to you because, you know, you, as far as I know, you only build a couple bikes a year and because it is just yourself and your dad and, you know, a very small (laughs) amount of people doing the work at your place. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome. I think that your customers get a very personalized experience, and um, it's just something unique that you offer. So can you explain to us why you chose to do business that way and what it's done for you? Well, for me, it was, like I said, um, it was, it was. I just wanted me to build it, you know, just to to make sure that nothing went wrong with the motorcycle, you know. And it's hard to make a living building motorcycles, you know, for, mm-hmm. for me where it was successful is the parts business where you have your bread and butter that pays your bills every month. And bike building was just, for me, it was fun. I didn't have to worry about bills, you know, or paying the rent because all my parts sales and stuff like that is what paid all everything. And the bike building was just a hobby, so to speak. So I could put mm-hmm. my passion and my love in it, and I didn't look at that particular motorcycle like rent. And that's where yeah. a lot of people kind of get in. They get stuck where they cut corners because, you know, they misquoted the the price of the build or blah, blah, blah. You know, they have to get it out where I can spend, you know, I can spend a month thinking about one stupid bracket, you know what I mean, how to make it better and better yeah. and better until it is made the best it can be made. Um, so that, that part of it, you know, is how I was able to do what I did, you know, you know, I had some patents on some parts that did very well for the, for the industry. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the formula, you know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Sean from TOL, he, Mm -hmm. he wrote a comment and said, what's up? He said that you're his dog. (laughs) <laughs> Sean's a good man. He's uh Yeah. I've known Sean for a lot of years and um I'm actually it's very cool to see him grow his business and be successful, you know. He's he's yeah. been, he's doing some innovative stuff and building some very cool very cool things. So What's up, Sean? Yeah, he is. I like Sean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um I don't know if you know this because I know that you probably don't listen to the show, but we do a hot seat towards the end of every episode. And the way it works is I'm just going to mention a phrase or ask you a question and you just say the first thing that comes to mind or, you know, spat out a quick sentence to answer. Okay. Uh, Okay. That's going to be hard. No pressure. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I know, I can tell you like to think about things. All right, yeah. what is your favorite rally? That's an easy one. 
it is. It used to be an easy one. That's not really an easy one. <laughs> it used to be Sturges. I okay. used to love going to Sturges, but it's too much of a circus now. But uh, Lough, the Laughlin River Run, um, I'm doing a lot of things with um, one of the casinos there and, and, and trying to bring it back to the way mm-hmm. it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, what's your favorite place to ride? Um, I like the the uh, like the like the uh, northwest and like uh, you know Monument Valley. We usually do a ride every year, um, about six thousand miles, and take like eighteen days. So that's like my wife and I's little vacation, you know. So we do like a week cool. with the boys, and then the girls fly in and and do the the rest of the time. But it, we go from Utah to Colorado up to Wyoming, Montana, um, Idaho, all the all the states where there's no helmet law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Now, yeah. uh, what is your favorite way to relax? Um. I used to I used to I took up golfing quite a few years ago and I used to love to golf. Um believe it or not, I was actually pretty good at it. <laughs> but um nowadays it's just, you know, sitting with my kids, you know, helping them with homework and and or just sitting with them watching TV, you know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's that's awesome. it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. You know, it's it's always interesting to me whenever uh, people in the motorcycle industry comment on how much they love to golf, and there's a lot of people that do. Rick Fairless yeah. is one. He golfs anytime yeah. he has a chance, you know. And yeah. uh, I think it'd be pretty cool as as somebody who's a fan of the motorcycle industry to be out on the yeah. course somewhere and see you guys out there. <laughs> Probably catch them off yeah. guard. Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, a, the private my private life question. is pretty boring. So, go ahead. That's okay. That's okay though. <laughs> yeah. So, I've never asked this question on the hot seat. So you're going to be the first one. Sorry, but what do you think is the worst trend in custom motorcycles right now? Be honest. There's so many I can't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, name a couple. <laughs> I just, I just, I think the worst trend. It's not really, you know, I may not like a motorcycle, but there's always there's an ass for every seat. But it's just the the mm-hmm. trend for for not thinking things out. You know, that's. Yeah. That's my biggest pet peeve, I guess. You know, you just, you know, there's no thought put in it. You know, they just kind of look at somebody else's stuff and do a, a couple things different, and they don't understand the workings of it, so to speak. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it just goes yep. down the line. You keep getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, that's, that, sure. that, that, that's, that's a, a hard question to ask you know, or answer, so. I mean, there's so many yeah. things that um, that um, bother me, but, you know, I can't really pick one. <laughs> That's okay. What yeah. do you think, and it doesn't have to be just in your motorcycle career, but in, in general, what is your what do you consider to be your biggest accomplishment? Um, my biggest accomplishment in the industry or in life in general? Just in life in general. I think uh just my family, you know. My Yeah. Finding a great woman and having even though sometimes the kids are a pain in the ass, you know, having two great kids, you know. Honestly awesome. it's just for me it's family, you know. That's that's yeah. what makes me happy. Right on. That's cool. Yeah. 
Now, last question. Um, if, if there were a biker build-off going on right now and you could choose anybody to go up against, who would you choose? Huh. That one's a hard one, too. I think Arlen. I'd, I'd like to build um, build against Arlen. I think we're we're we think alike. We've got some nutty ideas, you know, but we can make them work, you know. So I'd like to build against Arlen. I, I think, you know, that'd be cool. I mean, is there's there a lot of in particular if you were in a build off against Arlen? Is there any particular trick you'd pull out of your hat to put on a bike? Any particular honestly, style? I, uh, I'm not sure. You know, when it comes to that, you know, it's like the pressure that that makes me think of those things. You know, I mean, there's a few bikes that I've been wanting to build, but just haven't found the right motivation yet. So maybe I'd bring one of those out. But, um, but just something cool. different. You know, rather than building something that's already been done, just to build something completely different. You know, that's what I always kind of did. Is kind of, you know, I always, you know when people would build stuff and or copy me and stuff like that on certain certain things you know i always i was always flattered by it you know what i mean but it was the people that made money off it that bothered me you know so yeah i always kind of just thought you know well they can never come up with a new idea so i would wait till they invest a lot of money into that particular idea and then i would bust out another bike or idea that kind of changed the industry yeah. and they would kind of get screwed you know <laughs> It's a good so, idea I mean, to I, have and a good way to think about it. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard one. It's, you know, it's a cutthroat industry. If you're not careful, you know, I mean, your friends that you think your friends are, aren't really your friends, you know. If they can make a nickel off of you, they will. And uh, yep. I've lost a lot of friends over the certain things, too, in this industry, you know. But yeah. But I've made a lot of great ones. Pretty common. Know? Yeah. Well, that's good. That's what matters. Yeah. Very cool. It's it's so easy these days to knock things off and you just have to have more money than the next person really. That's what it comes down to. More money, yeah. more connections. So like you said, uh, as long as you're I mean, on top it. of the game and you have better ideas. I mean that's the biggest thing. You know, I had some patents on parts that basically, you know, paid my bills and all that stuff, but you know, I spent eighty grand having on two patents and they're strong, very strong patents. And mm-hmm. when you're young you don't figure oh yeah i got a patent nobody can make anything you know but you eventually find out that your patent's only as good as your pocketbook you know what i mean you know you yeah. have to it, and it's not as easy as people think is to sue people you know it's expensive mm-hmm. so i think you know back in i stopped counting in 2010 i think there was 178 companies that were knocking my two parts off wow and i even and even today i just you know, a couple of months ago, I saw one come from China with, it was the exact copy, even with my name on it and patent number. It was ridiculous. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, I mean, I see I see that stuff, and, you know, it bothers me, you know, but, and they people know who they are, you know what I mean? Yeah. But they just, they're okay. As long as they can fall asleep at night and it doesn't bother them, you know, whatever. But karma, karma gets yeah. everybody. I'm a big believer in it. You know? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of people that are gonna have karma coming after them pretty soon. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So, um, last question, Matt, and then I yeah. want to uh, 
let you tell us anything that's going on that we need to know about. But And you kind of already okay. touched on this, but mm-hmm. I just would like to ask you, because there are so many young up-and-coming guys who really look up to you and acknowledge your talent and all that, um, mm-hmm. what advice do you give for these guys that are, you know, in their first, two to five years of business and, and they want to be a long running success? Um, I think to be successful in, in this industry is, is just being original. Don't be afraid to put the work and hours in to, to create what's in your head. Um, learn from your mistakes. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you do those couple things that, you know, you, you be, you will be successful because if you, if you copy trends and you're copying a, a particular builder, you're always just going to be that guy. You know, you're not going to be an yeah. innovator. So, you know, just not not being afraid to actually just dive in and, and do something ridiculous. I mean, thinking out, but you know what I'm saying. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of be. No, good advice. Yeah, don't be afraid to 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 do something that's completely different. You know, that's what where I was. I think successful is I I knew I could always put it back together. So I, I cut everything apart. It didn't matter what it was, you know. <laughs> I figured out how it worked and yeah. made it different and made it my own and and uh I was never afraid of that, you know. I knew I could glue it Good. or weld it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. So that's yeah. good advice for all of you young guys listening. Um, Matt, how do how do people um, how do people see your work? Is there any anything going on that you want people to know about? Or uh, you, you know, you I just kind of do stuff to make me happy. There's a couple bikes that I've I've working on that um, I just the person that's most important to me is the customer, and I don't really try to show much stuff on you know Instagram and magazines and stuff like that much anymore i just i'm building for the customer and uh that's all i really care about you know but if you're in the area you're free to come by and check the shop out um you know that's about it very cool now we'll be coming somewhat through your area um Mm -hmm. we do the the bikers against bullies ride to sturgis Mm -hmm. last year was our first time doing it we rode through missouri Kansas, Colorado, um, Wyoming, South Dakota, up to Sturgis. Um, mm-hmm. Next year, we're leaving from Southern California, riding all the way through California, Washington, Oregon, and cutting across. So um, I don't. I think that you do a ride around that same time. I think Shana was telling me you did one yep. before Sturgis this year. Is that the ride you were telling us about? Yep. Yeah, that's our that's our ride okay. right before the kids <laughs> go back in school. <laughs> gotcha. Well, maybe we'll cross yep. paths then. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Give me a holler when you're in town. Yeah. That'd be that'd be awesome. All right. Very well, cool. Well, thank you for well, having me. I want to say thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to be super excited to to hear this, and um, I can finally cross you off the list. We've been wanting to have you on for a while, so thank you. Yeah, right on. I appreciate it. All right. We'll catch up soon. Now, guys, we are going to uh, wrap up this episode since we've taken a little bit of extra time with Matt, but I knew that you guys would want to hear from him. Uh, I will keep you posted on everything that's going on the next episode and some new things and events that we have going on uh, for 2017. And in the meantime, you know, you can always keep in touch with us through uh, our website, social media, and all those places. 
uh, wideopenradioshow.com. You can go to listen to the episode. And if you have any questions, you know, you can always email us at info at wideopenradioshow.com. Thanks, everybody, for listening again. Have a great night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.